Hello and welcome to the Body Acceptance Podcast. This podcast is for women who struggle to love and sometimes even like their bodies and who want to build a more loving relationship with themselves through experiencing more joy, pleasure, and confidence. Each week we'll cover topics ranging from body image, intuitive eating, self-love, and so much more. If you're ready to learn practical tips and tools for loving the skin you're in, then you're in the right place. Let's get to it. Hello, hello, and welcome to the first official episode of what is now the Body Acceptance Podcast. So whether you're new here or you've been around for a while, maybe you're confused. If you're new here, maybe you're like, if this is a brand new podcast, then why is there 103 episodes? And if you've been here for a while, maybe you're like, why the heck isn't this the all or something living podcast anymore? So if you haven't seen through either Instagram or Facebook, I had this just, um, I feel like I've been really hesitant and resistant to go in this direction for quite a while now because I felt like there were some people that were, um, that were really into some of the other stuff that I talked about, which is just more of the life coaching, like broad spectrum, um, umbrella that I have been speaking under for the the past few years. And I think it's great that I was able to inspire and help so many people through different like facets. But what I started to notice is when it came for time for me to either sell a product or um, create a freebie or anything like that, people, I, it was hard for me to make any sales or because people didn't really understand what exactly it is that I do. And so it was like, oh, your content is inspiring, but not enough for me to invest for, for many of the people that like I was helping just by sharing stuff on social media and stuff. Um, and I started to notice that people knew me as like the body image girl, even though it got to a point just a few months ago where I actually had stopped talking about body image or wanting to talk about body image funny enough And I was like, oh, it's not a direction I want to go in my business because I really feel like I've healed my own issues with food and my body and I'm just tired of talking about it. And then I just kept getting people in my inbox asking me if I am still doing coaching around body image and food stuff. And then I, um, every, I realized every time I've been interviewed for a podcast or a Facebook live, or I was even on a show once in Vegas, like, um, one of their daytime TV television shows for a round table talk on body image. And so I realized that that's like really, I guess the area where I feel most confident in. And especially, I mean, Um, when it comes to coaching and the products that I can create around healing your relationship to your body, which of course also includes the food conversation and weight conversation, right? It's really hard to work on body image without those things. And so that's kind of the area where I do feel like I could talk about it all day, like as an answer questions, or I'm still fascinated by everyone's personal journey 
And also personally, I know what it feels like to feel like you're alone in your struggles with your body, whether it is about what you look like or how you feel in your body or your confidence or just the way that you experience the world in your body. And I know what it's like to feel like you're in a constant battle with your body. And so it feels really important to me to not only spread the message that you don't have to be at war with your body for the rest of your life and let me show you how. And also I feel that it's important that we spread this message for our daughters and our children, not just our daughters. I know that I focus all of this on, um, I focus my podcast and my work on women because I feel like it's a very specific message. And for men with body image struggles, it's just a completely different message. And I don't feel qualified to speak on that because I don't have personal experience being in a man's body, um, obviously. Um, but I do feel like a lot of our problems, especially as millennial women, as far as I know, a lot of our body image stuff stemmed from our moms that were going through their own struggles, which may have been passed down by their mothers. Um, it is loud over here, which may have been passed down by their mothers and, and so on. So I think it's time that we break the cycle and we really start to change the messaging around our bodies from feeling like we constantly need to change. So for our entire lives, we're spending on a diet, trying to lose, you know, that last 10 pounds or even more than that. Uh, and really missing out on the important parts of life, but not realizing that we're doing that until it's too late. So I think it's really important that we start to integrate that conversation of, you know, will your body image stuff, the struggles that you go through, the thoughts that you have, will it ever end? Probably not, but just like anything else that we adopt as a practice, you know, you have your journaling practice or you uh, have your habit of exercising maybe, or you brush your teeth every day. It's just one of those things where it's, it's so important, especially with the messages that we're bombarded with on a regular basis from society and media about how we need to change our bodies and how the way that we look now isn't enough. And so I just feel that it's so important to have a daily practice in place that, um, and, and not just a daily practice, but like tools that you have for bad body image days or for strengthening the relationship with your body and maybe learning to love your body for what she does and being okay with not loving the way that your body looks. And the reason that this podcast, and first of all, I was so surprised that there wasn't already a podcast called Body Acceptance. So that's why the, uh, that's like explains the abrupt name change. Because once I saw that it wasn't, I know, especially after 2020, body image is a hot topic right now. And I just felt like it was really important to jump on the name. So I did. And the reason I chose Body Acceptance so I'm sure you've heard the buzzword of the buzzwords of body positivity, right? And that has sort of been hijacked from people and taken away from what it was originally meant, which is a social justice movement. So body positivity, the movement itself, is actually created as a way of um, as a way of protecting 
all types of bodies from discrimination, bullying. Um, I'm not always great at, I guess, giving a proper, um, I, I don't know. I'm not always good with like definitions and explaining things properly, but any, anyways, it's much bigger and more important than what body positivity has been paraded as, which is, Oh, I love the way my body looks or, um, bodies that if you, if you're on TikTok, bodies that look like this also look like this. And so I don't want to be another person to hijack the movement and make it something that it's not. And so for me, early on when I started my body acceptance journey, I had a good friend and coworker who really struggled with the idea of loving her body. And one thing that we often talked about was, okay, if you can't love your body or you can't love the way that your body looks, or maybe you don't feel positive about your body, what is somewhere that you can begin? And that starts with body acceptance. And that's really, honestly, as I'm going to talk about in this episode, my journey through body acceptance, my journey really began with body neutrality of just accepting the fact that like my body looked the way that it did in that moment and being okay with that and feeling like I don't have to tie the way that my body looks into how I feel about who I am as a person or what I have to offer the world. And my body just is, she's just a body. Um, and that that's where it all started to where I was able to develop a very strong love and respect for my body and a strong relationship with my body as far as like me advocating for her and wanting to take care of her out of a place of love and not punishment. Right. And that really came from, um, from recognizing the difference between loving your body. So people often think that loving your body means that you look in the mirror and you love the way that your body looks and that the, the goal of, um, of body acceptance and all that is to learn to love what you see in the mirror, to like be able to manipulate your mind into liking what you see. And I think that's often misconstrued because really the goal is to just love your body unconditionally. And maybe you don't necessarily love what you see, but you just love her because she fights to keep you alive and healthy every day. And, um, And she allows you to have the strength to go hiking or to do the things that you love. And so you recognize that it's a relationship. I saw this quote on um, Instagram the other day that I thought perfectly summed it up. And I can't remember the quote exactly, but it was something along the lines of if you only love your body based on how it looks, that is not love. That's objectification which is so true because if we're basing the way that we treat or feel about our bodies on the way that it looks, first of all, I, I honestly feel like either my body looks different every day or my mind views my body differently every day, but either way I look and feel different in my body every single day. 
And so if I based my relationship to my body or my confidence level or just how I felt about whatever size or weight that I was, it would be constantly fluctuating and up and down and up and down and just not inconsistent. It's, um, it's a conditional type of love. And so learning to actually like love your body is a constant, like it's unconditional, it's continuous. And I remember when I did feel that conditional love, it was like, I was all over the place, my confidence and everything. And now, yeah, sometimes it wavers, but not nearly as much as it used to. And even when I am having a bad body image day, I actually amp up the self-care in that case when I used to go the opposite way and like feel the need to punish my body for not looking a certain way. So I would want to numb out and eat and drink even more and punish my body with maybe a really intense workout or maybe even the opposite. Maybe I would stop working out for a long time because I was like, what's the point? And so everything that I did in the past to supposedly care for my body was actually for the purpose of attempting to manipulate my body to be a different size or shape because I didn't feel like she was enough. And now what I do for my body on a daily basis is in order to create a partnership with her and build this relationship to say, Hey, I'm going to meet you halfway. Um, and I do, and I help her have the energy and vitality to do what she needs to do in order to take care of me and keep me healthy. And I know I'm speaking of her and I, okay. So the reason that, cause you'll hear me do that a lot too in this podcast, or if you get any of my resources or my ebook that's coming out in July, um, or I guess whenever you're listening to this, it depends on when it's coming out. Um, or it might be July when you're listening to this, or maybe sooner if I release this sooner, But anyway, you'll notice that I refer to my body as her. And that again is just to bridge that gap and release that objectification of that. My body is like an inanimate object. It's an it her because she's part of me. And so I feel like when I refer to her as her, it re it, um, it creates this bond and it helps me recognize that she is alive. Like she is a living being, breathing being. She is me. She is my vessel. So that way, um, when I am thinking of, you know, how I can care for her or, um, the relationship that I want to have with her, I recognize that like, it's, I just feel like it's easier to create distance when it's an it, but when you recognize that it's a living, breathing being, then it kind of changes the way that you feel and treat your body. So that was my little introduction rant to, again, just welcome you if you are new to this podcast. Of course, you can go back and listen to the past episodes when it was the All or Something Living podcast. And when it was, it really did have, um, I did have a lot of episodes on body image and things like that. And just a lot of different types of episodes and the framework that I still create my, um, like that I'm creating my ebook on my body acceptance ebook and the courses going forward is the all or something framework. And I created the all or something living concept for 
people like me who in the past and continue sometimes too to struggle with perfectionism and hearing the words all or something and seeing them around my house or on t-shirts that I have serve as a constant reminder to me that I don't have to choose to live all or something black or white, that there is a gray area. And how that fits into body image is just constantly, I think right now we're in a space where we're seeing two extremes, where one is like the super wellness space where they do talk about weight loss and calorie counting or macro counting or whatever. And then there's this other side of the, like I said, the quote unquote body positive space where you're almost shamed for any sort of dieting behaviors or wanting to lose weight, but you still want to be able to accept your body and be able to have desires to change your body or improve the way that you look. And so I serve to create, I want to create this in-between space that when it comes to health and well, wellness and confidence and all these things, There is no black and white. There is a lot of gray here and it's very nuanced. And I know that personally, when I started out as a coach um, who considers myself anti-diet and, you know, health at every size friendly, I would roll my eyes anytime friends would want to talk about their diets or their desires to lose weight. And I didn't give them the space to actually like talk it out. And I feel like by doing that, I was doing them a disservice and doing myself a disservice because I, instead of wanting to heal my triggers around those conversations, I would just avoid them completely. So I think that's why it took longer for me to heal. And then second of all, I didn't give them the space again to be able to explore what felt good to them. Instead, I just cut them off or would say like, oh, you shouldn't diet. And I went, it's funny because I went from the other extreme of, um, which I'll talk about in a minute, my like bodybuilding obsession days. So I went from one extreme of always preaching, oh, you shouldn't be eating that. And you should be doing this exercise and yada, yada to the other side of like, oh, you shouldn't be participating in any sort of dieting behaviors and I have a way of doing that, as you can imagine, which is why I had to create the all or something framework to be a constant reminder for me that there is a lot of gray in the world and there is a lot of gray in our relationships to our bodies and ourselves. And so that's where we are here. That's what you can expect from this podcast going forward is conversations on both sides If you are somebody that is in the middle of an eating disorder or you suspect that you have one, I recommend that you get some support around that. If you are somebody that does find the use of numbers, we're talking about weight loss or dieting and things like that. If that's a huge trigger for you that you're not ready to face, then this is probably not the right podcast for you. Maybe right now, um, because I know for me, even just a few years ago, I did need the other extreme as I was getting out of one extreme. You know, when we're like learning something new, we almost swing to that extreme and then we even out. But anyway, 
I don't want to feel like I have to censor. I, I want to be able to talk realistically about body image and body acceptance and the nuances of all of that. So in this podcast, I will not be ultra sensitive to uh, talk of numbers and weights and, and yada yada. That being said, I also will be mindful and um, obviously aim to not be harmful in my messaging or I'm not going to push any agenda on anyone of what I think they should do. But I think it is important to be able to have the open, honest conversation about genuinely like how we're feeling and what we're going through instead of feeling the need to censor ourselves because it might trigger somebody or hurt their feelings. So all that being said, I want to put out the disclaimer that this podcast is meant for educational and entertainment purposes. I am not a medical professional. I am a certified holistic health coach and This is not to be confused for professional medical advice. Again, this is just for entertainment, educational purposes, tips and tools, coaching, stuff like that. So let's get into my personal journey through body acceptance. So what has my journey looked like and where did this journey begin? So obviously in order to understand where the journey began, we have to talk about the background of it which is where did my lack of acceptance of body acceptance stem from? For me, it started at a really young age. And if it's something that you struggle with, then I'm sure you can kind of pinpoint at least, if not something very specific, a general idea of where it came from. As I kind of talked about earlier, I grew up watching my mom uh, on diet after diet, never really seeming satisfied with her body, taking diet pills. There was one really popular diet pill that she took and I remember it got banned not long after. I forget what it's called. And, but that was the norm back in the day. Like those were the trends. And so I saw that, that she was dissatisfied with her body and was doing something about it as we say. And then around the age of eight, I started to get comments and get teased for my body, mainly for my belly, because my belly stuck out a little bit. Because when I look back at pictures now, I can see that my body looked perfectly normal, um, other than this little cute belly that I had. (laughs) And... So yeah, so people, I think it was first my siblings that started to point it out. I remember my mom would point it out, but not in like a disgusted kind of way. She would just say, suck in your belly. Because again, I think she had issues with the way she felt about her own belly. And then it got worse and worse. So the bullying from my brother and sister became like their ultra insult because the easiest way to come after somebody is through their appearance. And so my sister began to, um, she began to call me a fat, disgusting pig. And I think my brother did the same as maybe in his own words, but I specifically remember the words from my sister. You are a disgusting fat pig. I have since, side note, confronted my sister about all this and both my brother and sister feel terrible. It was just something that we went through when we were younger and I've forgiven them both for it, which was part of the work of body acceptance. 
Um, obviously not dwelling on those things, but I had to visit those past, um, things. And then at school, people started to call me, um, like the fat girl. There was, I, I went, I love to go to the skate park and skateboard. And there was another Lauren at the skate park. And so I became known as fat Lauren. I remember there was a guy that, I had a really big crush on and my friends were like, Oh, we're going to go tell him. So we were on the playground one day and they ran off to go tell him. They came back giggling and they were like, he said he'd go out with you. And my heart started racing. I was like, Oh my gosh. He's like, if you lose some, or they were like, if you lose some weight. Uh, and my heart, I remember feeling so crushed because it was also around the time when like, you know, you start developing an interest in the opposite sex and guys I noticed were more interested in my thin, skinny, cute friends. Um, and they weren't really interested in me. And so when I heard that the guy had said that about me, it just, it helped me like understand, oh, that's why they're more into your friends and not you because of, because you're quote unquote fat. And, um, and it, it was kind of sad because it really crushed, like I had such confidence. I remember just like being so free and goofy and wild and just not caring what anyone thought of me. And, um, and I would, I would send guys notes in class asking them out and like, I had no shame around that. And, um, they always said no, but again, I didn't know why they said no. So I was just like, whatever, I'll just ask the next one. And so in that moment, when that guy said the reason why it was, it really, I think, I think that was a transformative moment for me when I realized like, oh no, my body can actually hold me back from being accepted and being loved. And so I need to do something about this. So again, I remember kind of mimicking my mom's behaviors starting around the age of probably 11. I would attempt to put myself on a diet and, um, and the way I would do that is like, I would have a waffle for breakfast, like one of the ego waffles and I would put nothing else on it. Like I just have a bare waffle and then I'd go brag about it to the kids at school, like my friends, like I just ate a waffle today with nothing on it. Cause I'm trying to lose weight. And just little things like that, which never really produced results because I wasn't consistent or anything. Uh, thank God, thank goodness, because I was 11 years old. Um, it's just crazy to start that young. And and anyway, oh, I think it was Metabolife, that pill that I was talking about. That um, Was it Metabolife? Anyway, maybe you'll know. You can let me know on Instagram or wherever you follow me, if you do. <laughs> um Okay. So, so yeah, so I didn't, those were like my first attempts to start dieting. And then when I was 14, I just hit a point where I was like, okay, mom, I'm really serious about this. I want to lose 50 pounds. And she was like, okay, if you lose half of that, I'll get you a gym membership. And I was like, okay. And it wasn't thing like, not thankfully because I don't know. Anyway, it didn't seem like a big deal at that time. And it really wasn't because all I had to do to lose weight at that time was just like, I didn't do anything extreme. Like I ate 
a little bit less than I normally did. And then I got this like yoga Pilates video that um, like DVD that I would do three times a week. And it's almost like the weight just like dropped off and I lost like 30 pounds pretty within within like a month or two, which isn't really, if you think about it, a healthy amount of weight loss that quickly, but who knows? Anyway, I was 14, turning 15. So yeah, as you can imagine, 30 pounds um, was a lot and it really, I guess, changed my appearance. And I came back to school after that and noticed that people were looking at me differently. People were treating me differently. My family was treating me differently. People were being nicer to me. Guys that had once rejected me were now interested. And I was like, oh, that's the key. So if I just keep my body looking like this and keep myself thin and acceptable, then people will like me and I can get boyfriends and I can have friends. And I internalized that message without really understanding how much I had internalized it. So after that, it wasn't really like a struggle for a while. Um, I was naturally active now that I had my gym membership and I didn't really worry about food or anything. And it wasn't until I joined the Air Force that things started to shift again. And, um, And again, it took me a while to really get to that point, um, where I felt like something was wrong with me. So I had gained weight, like, cause I lived, I moved out the day after I graduated from high school. I got in a fight with my mom and I had moved out and I was living with my sister's boyfriend and I was working at Petco living paycheck to paycheck, barely paying the rent. So I couldn't really afford food. And it wasn't really a priority anyway at the time because I was partying. So I, um, I just naturally, I guess, had lost weight. I wasn't really paying attention. And so when I weighed in for, you know, my Air Force stuff, I was like well under the weight that I was supposed to be in order to be accepted. But I was in like the delayed entry program. I think it's like the debt program, delayed entry. So I didn't actually... I wasn't scheduled to leave for basic training until like months after I had like signed up and been accepted and all that. So because I knew I was going to the Air Force, I moved back in with my mom for like the last month or a few or whatever. And of course, living back with my mom, my mommy feeding me and all that, I gained, I don't know, like 20 or 30 pounds. And, but it wasn't a big deal. And I didn't even notice until I stepped on the scale at my recruiter's office and he was like, oh my gosh, you're barely making weight now. And I was just like, oh, sorry. He like, again, it wasn't a big deal. And, um, and then I went to basic training and with the eight weeks that we were there, I'm sure you can imagine all we did was move and we ate three meals a day, but we got like five minutes for each meal. So I spent a lot of the time hungry and easily dropped like 10 pounds. And so again, it wasn't, it wasn't a thing. I was just enjoying my life. I was in my early twenties or at that time I was 19, but then I got stationed in England. I was living my life, uh, loving life. And because I was loving life so much and hadn't had to worry about my, um, weight or size or anything in so long, I didn't realize that 
I wasn't being as active and I was just like, I remember like Guinness was my drink of choice because I was like 20 and I had no idea being able to legally drink. I had no idea, you know, what to do. And so I drank Guinness and I just ate everything. And, and again, I was just having fun. I was so confident. Like it didn't matter. Um, I wasn't paying attention to how I looked. And then I went home on leave for my cousin's birthday party And I didn't realize I was going to tell the full length version of this story, but welcome to the first episode of body acceptance. And, um, so I went home on leave to my cousin's, my cousin's graduation party or something like that. And again, I had a blast. I, you know, didn't think about, I was wearing tight, a tight t-shirt or a tight tank top and tight jeans and yada, yada. But then it wasn't until like my mom showed me the pictures of that weekend that I was like, oh my gosh, mom, why didn't you tell me I looked like that? Why didn't you tell me I'd gained so much weight? And she's like, what are you talking about? Like, you're fine. You're adorable. And, and I was like, I went back to that feeling of, oh my gosh, I'm so embarrassed about that. Like here I was flaunting confident in my body and like, look at how it looked. And I felt that first threat again of I'm going to lose all the love and acceptance that I've worked so hard to get. So I started to put myself on diets again. Uh, And that was early twenties. And then I had met my now husband when I was in my thinner phase because I had just come off of like a good, I guess you could say dieting period. And you would understand if you've ever been through the diet binge cycle where it's like you diet and you're down like 10 or 20 pounds. Like I was weight cycling. So I was like, um, I was in my lower end of like my thin, I was in my, on my thinner side, I guess, but I had to work really hard to get there. So I had this like fear that like, Oh, he met me when I looked like this, but he doesn't understand that my natural tendency is to go toward, um, a heavier weight. And my husband is six, four, very tall, lean, athletic, very muscular, And I was like, oh no, like, how can I be with someone like this? He's going to be really disappointed when he sees what I really look like. And because I was so body conscious, it really impacted the way that like I acted. And so I went on a five day trip to Greece with some friends or something early on into him and I dating. And I came back and I was like, I had gained, who knows, I didn't really weigh myself at that time, but I had felt larger. And so when we were like doing stuff and, you know, my clothes were off, I was more like self-conscious and trying to hide. And, um, and he picked up on that and it created this like weird energy between us that went on for a little bit. And I, but I had gotten comfortable in the relationship. It was a new relationship. As you can imagine, someone, um, like him, six, four fast metabolism eats a lot. I had stopped my morning gym sessions that I was doing for me before we met him or before we, <laughs> before I met him. And so I wasn't going to the gym cause I wanted to spend time with him. Then we were just eating takeout on the weekends and just basically not really focusing on taking care of myself. I was just more enveloped in the relationship. 
So there was one night, the energy was weird for a while, and there was one night where I just had to ask. I just felt this urge to ask this question. And I said, hey, I've noticed something is off between us. I said, are you less attracted to me because I've gained weight? And he is a very honest man, sometimes a little bit too honest and blunt and doesn't realize that... um, I don't know, maybe there's a way to let someone down easy, but he just was straight up like, yeah, I I am less attracted to you because you've gained weight. And I went into a spiral. I was so mad at him. I spent that night crying. I actually went into the bathroom and tried to get myself to throw up, which is a behavior that I had actually started in childhood when my brother and sister would tease me Um, I would run into the bathroom and attempt to make myself throw up. I was never successful and I never like, I can't say that I ever had bulimia, but I wanted to, I would make these declarations that I was going to do that, or I was going to starve myself, but I never really, um, followed through with any of that. And so it was the same, like, I just, just messed up our relationship for a while. So After that, we went long distance because I had separated from the Air Force and I moved back. I was living with my brother for six months until he was able to get orders. And Jason, my husband, um, then boyfriend, till he was able to get orders to come back to the States and then we could be together. So we were long distance for a little bit. So I was like, oh, perfect timing. I am in between jobs right now. So I'm going to join this. 15k 5k something transformation challenge on bodybuilding.com and at the time i was studying for my personal training certification so pretty much my full-time job was going to the gym meal prepping and because of the 90-day transformation challenge i had devoted and committed to doing 90 days of just pure strict eating never missing a workout and um and no cheat meals or nothing or cheat days none of that so that's where I think my obsession started to get unhealthy and I completed the 90 days my body changed a lot I really genuinely thought that I could have won the transformation challenge but bodybuilding.com expects a way different aesthetic than I was able to produce. Um, even, you know, based on my genetics, like I, I can't think of anything that I could have done better for that challenge. Um, but it wasn't, wasn't enough. And so that's where I started to feel like, okay, like it wasn't enough. And Jason, you know, came home and, uh, or came back to the States and we moved to Vegas together and he never really commented on my body composition changing, like my physique, me getting more muscular or leaner. And he didn't treat me any differently. So I was like frustrated. I'm like, really, I'm working really hard so that you like what I look like. And it's still not enough. And, you know, flash forward or whatever he, we now know, and we've since worked through that whole situation. So don't like, you know, beat him up in your head. Um, he, first of all, has his own struggles with body image that we talked about. But then second of all, it was never about him accepting me where he 
struggled was in me accepting myself and me lacking that, like always seeking reassurance from him. What he wanted was for me to love myself and to feel confident in my body. And so here I am today, um, at like, I don't know when I was just weighed at the doctor a month or two ago, I was at 217 pounds, the heaviest I've ever been, but the best that I've ever felt and the best I've taken care of myself and probably the most confidence I've ever had. And he is more attracted to me and into me now than he ever has been. So now we know it wasn't about the weight, but we didn't know at the time. And so I was stuck in this cycle. So that whole like obsession with the bodybuilding industry and me then wanting to train for a physique competition began. And it went on for the first few years that we lived in Vegas, really. And then I hit a point where it was impacting my life so much that first of all, I started to feel worse and worse about my body, like where it would did dictate my day. I would wake up in the morning and weigh and measure myself. And if I wasn't happy with the numbers I saw, I would be in the worst mood all day. I would be pissed off and angry of like, why am I working so hard, but it's still not enough. So then I started going to extremes like using weight trainers and diet pills. Uh, did I say weight trainers, waist trainers and diet pills and, um, trying to up my workouts and, and I, my weight wasn't budging. Well, why now I know back then it was because my body had plateaued and was like, Hey, it's not healthy for me to lose any more weight. You're good where you're at. Um, but I tried to push because I was told by other people in the industry and other people, I think with the same body image issues and stuff that I had, the same warped relationship to food in their body, I was told that like, oh, well, it doesn't really matter what your genetics are. You can still fight your genetics. And, you know, so I felt like I had to be in this constant battle and war against my body. And I was like, I fight my body every day, but I win. And I felt like I was like overcoming and yada, yada. But meanwhile, I was like miserable. So I was, Jason and I had found, um, I had first gotten into podcasts and went to like Jillian Michaels. I'm sure you can imagine what her podcast was like. And so it like kept me on that track, but then it led me to someone, a coach that like taught about intermittent fasting. So that was the first course I actually invested in a course on intermittent fasting. And of course, like always at that time, like I wanted to build this image of me being this like fitness guru and like known as the fit girl. So Jason and I were doing intermittent fasting together and we were going around bragging about it, telling our friends all about it and how great it was because then we, we were finally able to eat whatever we wanted, you know, but we had to track our macros still. It had to fit within our macros and it had to be within a very specific window of time. My particular window didn't open until 1 p.m. So basically, I wasn't allowed to eat until 1 every day, but to me it was worth the sacrifice because I had dieted so hard in the last few years that I had been used to being able to eat, like eat virtually like nothing. I would eat the same stuff every day. Um, you know, plain chicken and brown rice and broccoli and none of it could be, like have oils or anything like that. 
And so I was so excited that like, oh my gosh, now I can eat Pop-Tarts as long as they fit in my macros and as long as it's after 1 p.m. So it was almost like this weird bridge to food freedom. Like it opened my mind to the idea of eating whatever I wanted, even if it was like the catalyst, um, I guess the straw that broke the camel's back. And at that time, I had this secret behavior that I had carried on from childhood, which was when no one was around, I would, um, I would do like find a bunch of food. I would get a bunch of food out of the fridge in the cupboards, like literally a block of cheese at once. And like things, food in the house would disappear when we were younger. And because I wasn't the only child, I would pretend I didn't know what was going on, but it was me. I was secretly like eating these crazy amounts of food when no one was around and binging and then uh, feeling horrible, not just physically, but about myself. It was like the biggest shame secret that I had ever held. And even Jason didn't know about this. So even into Vegas, that like got worse and worse. So he would be gone and I would go to the store and get myself a huge pint of ice cream and a full pizza that I planned on eating all at once to myself as quickly as I could before he got home. And I would be really like ashamed and embarrassed if like anyone looked at me walking through the store with these items in my hand. Or I remember once like these girls stopped and talked to me and I was so embarrassed that they saw that I was gonna eat pizza and ice cream. And so then I was at work when we were intermittent fasting. Um, so I worked from like 7 a.m. to 12 p.m. And I didn't allow myself to eat my first meal until I got home from work at 1 p.m. And I was a mentor at my job at the time. And so I was, um, I was trying to train this girl one day and I remember just not being able to form sentences and being so like out of it and spacey. And she was kind of looking at me like, are you okay? I was like, oh, sorry. I was like, I'm doing this new diet thing called intermittent fasting. And so I haven't eaten yet today and I'm just really hungry. And she looked at me like I was crazy. Like, why are you doing this to yourself? But I was like so proud and I just felt like on such a moral high ground of like, I have so much willpower, look at me. But every day when I'd get home from work, almost ready to pass out from hunger, I would open the door uh, of the fridge and I would stand in front of the fridge and just shovel stuff into my mouth as quickly as I could. And so of course that made it hard to track the macros. And then it just felt like another thing that I was failing at. And I was like, okay, I thought this was going to be the magic solution. I paid so much for this course, yada, yada. And I remember when I was taking the course, the person teaching it was like, oh, this is perfect if you have a tendency to binge because it allows you to binge. And now I think about that. I'm like, that is so like dangerous for her to say that because especially binge eating disorder is now an actual classified recognized eating disorder that I suspect that I had, haven't been diagnosed, but like textbook definition meets up. And me taking this course and her saying that I at the time was like, oh, perfect. I love to binge or I, I mean, I don't love to binge, but I have a tendency to binge. So now I can do this acceptably. And now maybe Jason can watch me as I binge and not think 
less of me or think that I'm out of control or whatever. But it just got to the point where it was just like, um, I can't live like this anymore. This is not worth it. I'm so tired of fighting my body every day. I'm exhausted. I'm literally exhausted mentally and physically. I can't do this anymore. So I had also discovered um, a podcast from Maddie Moon, and she was a coach at the time around like intuitive eating and body acceptance. And she talked about those things, which were so foreign to me. I'd never heard of the concept in my life. Didn't even know it was a possibility. But again, I think I had hit that point, what they call diet rock bottom, where I was just like done and I just needed a solution. So I, um, I made the decision that day. I was like, I'm, I'm done with dieting. I'm done fighting my body. I'm done with this. I don't care if I gain 300 pounds. I just want my freedom back. And Jason came home from work that day. I told him my decision. I think we were both terrified, but he supported me. I think he knew that I needed this. I knew that I needed it. And that's where the journey really began. And when I woke up the next morning, so when I said earlier that the first thing I did was just really aim for body neutrality of just feeling like stop to stop putting the pressure on my body to change, to stop putting the pressure on myself to eat perfectly or do everything perfectly to just accept imperfection. I woke up the next morning and it was like one of those moments in the movies where um, the person wakes up and it's all bright and the birds are chirping and the flowers are blooming and the music is upbeat. And I remember looking in the mirror the next morning, knowing that I didn't have to weigh or measure myself or anything that I could just look in the mirror at myself and just be me. And I felt this freedom that I hadn't felt, I think since I was a kid, pre people commenting on my body, uh, not, I'm not going to say since I was a kid, um, since I was a kid. And then, you know, I talked about my teenage years between my 15 and 20, where I had that freedom again, I had felt that feeling again. And I looked in the mirror at my body and I think then it was really easy to do because I was at the smaller end of things and I had worked so hard again to build up this physique and this like leanness and yada yada. I had worked so hard, but I had never been able to enjoy it until that moment. And I was like, oh my gosh, like how have I been missing this? You are so beautiful and you are so vibrant and so much fun. And, and so I turned on music and I was just dancing and that kind of went on for months and months of just me. Um, that I just, I feel like that part of my journey felt so aligned and good. Um, being able to neutralize foods at the time. And, um, so for me, neutralizing foods at that time meant that I stopped putting labels on what's good and what's bad and what's this and what's that. So I allowed myself unconditional permission to eat whatever I wanted and, um, to not put judgment on how I was eating or what I was eating for the first time. And when I started to realize that, you know, because I was still getting pressure from people who knew me as the fit girl. So I'd be in the break room at work eating like a candy bar or something. And someone would be like, oh my gosh, you can't eat that. Like 
you don't do that. And, and so a lot of people at work were commenting on like the lunches I was bringing all of a sudden. And, um, and it wasn't like I went to this crazy extreme because I was in the habit of, I had also at this time discovered like holistic nutrition. And so I was experimenting with like all these, because if you know, then you understand that even like diet culture, makes it so fruits and veggies or you know highly nutritious foods can still be considered off limits and bad so i had this freedom to explore whatever i wanted so i was going to the farmer's market and making um so i was eating a wide variety of food in other words i wasn't just eating candy bars and i don't even think i was eating candy bars i think i was eating cookies in the break room (laughs) um or things like that i was eating a wide variety of foods And so, yeah, so getting the comments when I was eating things like cookies or donuts, or when I would share on social media, what I was doing, I still was surrounded by like a fit community. So they were like, Oh no, make sure you eat clean. And what are you doing to your body? And so I questioned what I was doing. I was scared, but I also just felt this like pull and this calling that like, you're doing the right thing, like keep going. And where I started to trust the process was in, um, I think after I started the body acceptance journey, I had maybe two more binges, those like, um, shame filled binges. And then I learned to talk myself through them and to, um, then change it to more of a conscious behavior of like, I'm choosing to do this. This is acceptable. I can tell Jason about it because it's not a shameful secret anymore. And so I just started like owning it. And then all of a sudden my binges just stopped completely. Like I stopped having the urge to binge, which was crazy because it had been like a lifelong pain point. And one of the biggest pain points that made me feel shameful about like who I was and what I was doing at the time. So it was just like, I was like, okay, if my binges stopped, then this must be good for me because now I am able to eat a wide variety of foods and not make a big deal out of it. And the fact that I'm not binging means that I, like say I craved a cookie, I would have one cookie and enjoy it or maybe two, but usually like if I was actually paying attention, I wouldn't eat as much as I would when I would like tell myself that a food was bad or off limits and then eat it in secret or in shame or feel like I have to eat this whole box of cookies because then tomorrow I have to go back to my diet. And I don't know when the next time I'll allow myself to have more cookies will be. And, um, and that's kind of how things went off. It was just like, like I said, I think it was just so aligned. And I also had a lot of support. I was reading a lot. I was listening to a lot of podcasts. I was reading a lot of books to educate me on intuitive eating. So I was reading the book, Intuitive Eating. I read the book, Health at Every Size, then moved into Body Kindness by Rebecca Scritchfield. These are all written by experts. Um, and dietitians and people who know what they're doing. Intuitive eating was written in the 90s and is now becoming more and more well-known, but is very backed by research. And so that helped me feel better about my choices too. And just the way that I started to relate to food and my body. And um, I mean, it branched off to help me 
to like really change my life. Like my moods had regulated to where I used to be just like crazy up and down all the time. My energy levels regulated. I stopped feeling like brain fog all the time where um, I felt really out of it all the time or, you know, like just things in my life started stabilizing and coming together and, and it was like I had gotten not only my life back, but I had also gotten a life for the first time. Like there was this person that I always knew that I like am deep down, like naturally, like my soul or whatever, you know, I think we know what we value and who we want to be really internally, even if it's like buried deep in there. And I knew who I wanted to be, but I had such a hard time presenting that version of myself to the world or stepping into that version of myself. And I feel like unlearning and taking off all of diet culture's ideas of what health and beauty look like and then society and just, I was peeling off layers of expectations and shoulds that I had developed all throughout my life. I was taking away all those layers and what was left was me. Was that me that I had been working so hard to like be and that I wanted so hard to be? She was just there. She was just there waiting to become uncovered. And so, um, so that's, yeah, so that's where, you know, it started. Um, and then throughout there, cause initially I had stopped working out completely because again, I wanted to heal my relationship to exercise too, and to understand why I choose to exercise and, um, things like that. So thing like I had gained, as far as weight gain within, I'd say like four years of the journey, I had gained like give or take like 15, maybe 20 pounds. Um, it wasn't until last year in 2020 where I gained 30 pounds like all at once, which I don't think I've ever really done in my life, like gained weight that rapidly. So I gained 30 pounds within a year. And so last within the last few months have brought up even more like body struggles and figuring out, okay, where do I want to go with this? What do I want to do about this? Um, I suspect that cause I was also put on new medications. So I suspect that maybe that was the culprit, but it's hard to tell also in a year where we're like way less active. So I wasn't in the gym doing my regular routines. We were, um, ordering takeout a lot more. So now I'm like at this point where you know, I think past me would have gone back into those dieting behaviors. And I sort of had uh, a moment where I actually signed up for Weight Watchers because one of their commercials got me. (laughs) And, you know, they said like, oh, we're reimagined. And so I signed up for it just to see like, is it really something that I can achieve balance through and, and maybe drop this extra weight that I had unintentionally gained? And, um, I lasted like three days on it because I realized that even if, even though they're like reimagined their point system allows, um, if you actually track your calories throughout the day, it's really hard to get above like 1200 calories if you're trying to stay under their point system and 1200 calories is like the very, like, that's what your body needs to operate on a daily basis, like the bare minimum. 
And eating at that level, I've learned through uh, my nutrition education and, and things like that, that like if you stay at that low or that much of a calorie deficit for a long time, that's going to actually hurt your metabolism in the long run. It's going to slow things down. And I, don't, I didn't want to get back to that point, um, you know, and so I was like, okay, well, not really reimagine. I get where they're trying to go with this, but no, it just missed the mark. And maybe I'll talk about that in a future episode of why specifically I think that missed the mark. And so I did a little bit of calorie counting too, and that didn't really work out. Um, and again, I'm able to now recognize if behaviors or choices related to um, that kind of stuff, if they, like I can get out of it before it creates a problem. Um, which is a weird place for me to be though, because for the last five years I've been so anti seeking weight loss and anti diet. And now I'm like, okay, well now I know what it feels like to be in this body that I don't recognize that I feel so uncomfortable with that I'm willing to, and wanting to do something about it. Um, so that's been interesting for me to explore. It's also given me more self-compassion for those who are maybe in the same position that, um, that do want to lose weight, but maybe they hear these messages of health at every size and, um, body positivity that say that that's wrong to want to do and that you shouldn't pursue that and that it's harmful always, and that it never leads to anything good. I kind of want to explore that a little bit more now. Um, that being said, I am not counting calories. I am not restricting foods. I am not doing Weight Watchers. Like I said, I, I tried that out and I think it was also like because I was in a transition phase for this move to Japan. So I was in this really odd phase. Um, and I wasn't in my regular routine, so I felt like, okay, maybe I'll try this temporarily. But now that I'm back in my routine and I'm exercising regularly and, and you know, just doing, building, doing the normal habits that I've built up through my body acceptance and body love journey, I, I practice self-care and balance-ish behaviors or harmony-like behaviors um, to take care of my body and my mind out of love now. So that's why those things are important to me. And in doing those things and just getting settled here in Japan, my body is naturally like leveled out. I don't know how much I weigh now, but clothes are fitting me the way that they did before. Um, and I feel a lot less swollen and bloated. So, so that's been nice. And just again, reaffirming that it's not for me about being skinny, but it's about feeling good and feeling comfortable in my body. So, and learning the behaviors that get me closer to feeling that way. And so that's where I'm at right now. Um, totally not where I expected to go with this episode. I had it all outlined, but I just felt called to tell the story differently. If you are a first time listener or you're coming back to the podcast, just know like, my episodes aren't normally this long and rambly, but I just feel like I had a lot to share. So if you had time, maybe you were cleaning the house or doing laundry or taking a walk or whatever, if you listen to the end, thank you so much for hearing me. And I hope that you got something out of this and 
Um, maybe you got some inspiration or just a feeling that you're not alone and, um, and that it is possible to achieve body acceptance and to not allow how you feel about your body to run your life. So as I am revamping the podcast, I want to start offering ways to provide more value and shifts and transformation. So that way you can walk away from the episodes feeling like, wow, I really got something out of that today. And along with hopefully enjoying the entertainment of the episode. So this week, what I'm offering is a journal prompt, and I'd love to make this interactive so that it gives me an opportunity to get to know you better. That way I can know how to create some awesome and helpful resources for you. So the journal prompt this week is what does a body acceptance look like for you and how could it improve your life? What does body acceptance look like for you and how could it improve your life? This is also going to be written down in the show notes. And if you get my weekly newsletter, it's also in there for you. So you could just actually hit reply to that email and speak directly to me. If you're not on the newsletter and you want to be, just go to laurenkepler.com. Sign up for my free meditation and you will automatically be added. All right, so come hang out with me on social media. Let me know what comes up for you when you do your journaling session. You can find me on Facebook at Lauren Kepler or Instagram at Lauren M. Kepler. As always, I've loved hanging out with you today and I'm so happy to be back making these episodes and in a new phase of business. So I can't wait to chat with you again next week. Thank you so much for listening to another episode of the Body Acceptance Podcast. Be sure you're subscribed wherever you listen so you don't miss when a new episode drops. If you love this podcast, I would so appreciate if you leave a review. The more positive reviews I have, the more this podcast can reach women like you who are in need of this message. Let's create a ripple effect and inspire more ladies to love themselves. And as always, feel free to share this episode with a friend or tag me on your Instagram stories at Lauren M. Kepler to let me know you're listening. Can't wait to chat with you again next week. But until then, remember that you're worthy and beautiful as you are right now.